podcasts. I'm Andrew McGregor, and with each installation in this podcast, we're going to explore the world of spirituality, what it means to be alive, and how is it that we can bring our spiritual selves, tarot, meditation, religious or spiritual practices into our daily lives. Please check out all of our episodes at thehermitslamp.com slash podcasts, or you can search The Hermit's Lamp in podcasts on iTunes, catch it on Stitcher Radio or other services along those lines on your smartphones or wherever you like. So if you're listening to this podcast, I bet that you want to be the best tarot reader that you can possibly be. And lucky for you, I run some of the most amazing online tarot classes going. Serious world-class teachers whose names you will recognize from all the books and things that they have written and published, who are truly experts in the field uh, or in the topic that we are focused on for the classes. So whether you're looking for foundations to learn the Tarot de Marseille, to learn psychology, or whether you're looking to uh, build a spiritual or tarot-related business, I've got some astounding classes. Head on over to thehermitslamp.com, click on the Events tab, and check them all out. Your reading skill will improve just from looking at them. So welcome to the next installment of the Hermit's Lamp podcast. I am here today with Bree Saucy. And uh, Bree is a diviner and a magician. Um, I don't know if that's the word that she uses, but, uh, you know, certainly a very magical person. And uh, I've been I've been looking forward to getting together and talking about uh, spirituality and divination and the intersection where that lines up with magic for a while now. So, you know, Brie, for people who might not know who you are, how about you give me the the quick introduction? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm totally thrilled and honored to be here. So you can find all of my stuff at com. That's one N, so it's B-R-I-A-N-A, com. And I refer to my work as sacred arts for soulful seekers. So... I work with modalities like divination and dreams, and I focus a lot on right relationship and alchemy and magic and ceremony and ritual. And my understanding is that all of these things work together. They can work together. And my background is in classics and liberal arts. So when I was really kind of bringing this work back into my life because I was raised in a couple of what we would call folk magic traditions. I realized that just as we have liberal arts, we also have sacred arts. So that's really how I think of the work that I do, the work that you do too. Um, And that the sacred arts are something that are available for everyone and that can be utilized by anyone who has the interest to do so. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think I, I was, I was sort of go back and forth about how I talk about things, you know, because I find that the, um, the language that we use around stuff is so important to understand and deconstruct. And, you know, the distinctions that we draw between different things, you know, between, um, art and spirit, art and magic, um, you know, divination and spiritual things and science and, 
you know, psychology and spirit, you know, for me, there are no distinctions between these things. You know, not that I'm, not that I'm stupid and don't get the distinctions. Right. But, right. But as a, as a practice or as a, a sort of a person who can be present with other people, when I'm in that space, I don't really draw any distinctions between them. You know, to me, they are all options on the table and, you know, the, the dialogue and the, the needs of the person will determine what comes up. Yeah, I agree with that. I see them, I see them very much as like family members, you know, they're all, they're all related to one another and they all can work together um, as they need to. And traditionally that's been the case, you know, divination has often been accompanied by ceremony or ritual or magic. And, you know, prayer and blessing has often had a divination component attached to it. And I think that through history, we've kind of lost the sense of how full our spiritual inheritance really is, like worldwide, right? And mm-hmm. and so these things have gotten separated from one another and in many cases kind of pushed to the side and called fringe or called a cult or whatever. And when in reality, they are eminently practical. They're, you know, of interest to most people. That's one of the things I've really been surprised by in my practice is how many different kinds of people have an innate interest in the sacred arts. There's something there that they feel can help their lives, help them really bring benefit to them. Mm-hmm. And, and I find too, what's interesting is, um, you know, not everybody, of course, but there are people who uh, who who officially aren't interested. Yes. But yet, if you look at their practices, then you know you're like, well, but but wait a second, what is that? You know, and <laughs> it, it reminds you know, I I grew up sort of largely free of religion and mostly interested in um, in Crowley and Crowley's practices, yeah. and. Um, so, you know, I, I spent a lot of time doing ceremonies and and I was very intent on them not being religious, you know, and I sort of had all these mental gymnastics that I had done to sort of talk about how summoning angels and speaking with them wasn't a religious practice in some way. And I remember one day I was sitting there discussing with a friend of mine um, this practice called Liberesh where you uh, salute the sun at the four quarters of the day every day. And, uh, and he's like, that's awesome. That's great. But, but just, just one thing, how is that not prayer? And it was one of those things (laughs) where I, I must've literally spent a whole minute just going, uh, uh, like just trying to, trying to find my way around to some way in which I could, you know, deny what was going on about it. Right. (laughs) And then finally I was like, all right, you've got me. And, uh, you know, and he just sort of laughed and smiled and, you know, but, but that moment sort of changed a lot for me where I was like, huh, so, you know, how, how I drew these dualities that don't really exist, at least in my practice. And now I needed to go back and reconcile that back to sort of a singular thing again. So I could kind of continue with it, the, the cognitive dissonance that comes from that. Yeah, that's, I, I think that's a great story. I mean, I, I think so many of us have moments like that where we're like, well, wait a minute, mine, mine is the opposite. You know, I was brought up in a family that's half Baptist and half Catholic. And so a lot of my moments were like, well, this is, this is magic, right? Like everybody is super aware that we just did alchemy 
at church, right? We we got that. Yeah. <laughs> so so it's it's very interesting how that works. And you know, I think that one of the things that of course has happened is for a lot of reasons that we won't go into, religion uh lost its more magical innards is how I think of it, right? Mm. Um over time, especially over the last like five hundred years, that's that's really happened. Um but the two for so long were very intertwined. And and then, you know, we live in a secular world. We live in a secular humanist world. And so we're also seeing the sacred arts show up in other places. You know, the exploration of dark matter in physics to me is really interesting because we have cutting edge scientists who are completely devoted to trying to quantify and understand the invisible realm. And so... I jokingly say I have a file that's, you know, everything my grandmother knows that science has now confirmed, right? <laughs> like, yeah. I think I think I saw an article on social media last week that was, you know, dogs have feelings. And I was like, okay, that goes in the file. Like, thank you. Sure. <laughs> we now know. And so, you know, the same thing is true. I think it's really interesting how the realm of divination or the realm of magic or manifestation um, is now there there are you know at the very technical end people who are saying let's understand these invisible forces that we know surround us but that we can't apprehend with our normal senses there's mm-hmm. also another example that i just saw in nature magazine is there's a computer program that is now making predictions and the scientists who created it don't know how it's making its predictions, but the predictions are correct. So it's oracular. Right. And they're treating it as such. So, you know, it's, it's very interesting how, you know, everything goes around and comes back again. And I feel like we're at a time where these, these practices are starting to come back in a number of really cool ways. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because I was thinking about uh, social media the other day, yesterday, and, um, you know, cause I was, I was skimming through, you know, all the stuff that floats past my wall and so on. And it was all these sort of like huge statements, you know, of like, oh my God, this is the way things are. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> and then, you know, it swings back the other way. And like a day later, the counter, you know, well, here's why everybody was wrong, you know, and it, we could put it in social media terms. Here's why everything you know about yesterday's media is completely wrong, yes. you know, yes. and, and tomorrow will be like 22 things that make yesterday's people complete fools and how you can avoid that. And this is sort of crazy oscillation that, you know, I mean, I think it's always happened. It's always there. It's part of human nature, right? But, but we see it sort of speeding up and, and so present and, you know, I think it's fascinating to watch, uh, you know, science and and spiritual and spiritual stuff kind of seek to come together, and yet it's just to me, it's just sort of it's like they keep sort of slingshotting around each other. There are these moments where they where they line up, and those things are really interesting, and then there there's all the sort of like reactions for and against it that just continue the the wobble forward in time. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that there are some fundamental differences of orientation that create a lot of static between the two disciplines. I think not, right, I would never speak for everyone, but I would say that by and large, my experience with 
soulful seekers, people who are seeking, right, for something more, seeking for something more, seeking for something deeper. They are interested in being in relationship with whatever, right, in right relationship, in real relationship with, you know, creation, nature, their community, whatever it is. And, and, you know, science is working within a paradigm. I mean, hard science, right? Like techie, we're in a lab doing work. Science is working with a philosophy of, you know, we want to, we want to peel back the layers and see what's, see what's really there. And, and, you know, there, sometimes there's a little bit of a, of a, I would say, static on the line between those two ways of relating. I think that they can inform one another, but I think that one is seeking to be in relationship with, and sometimes the other is seeking to have some kind of advantage over or be able to manipulate in a specific way, maybe to a good end, but like that just puts you in a really different framework with whatever you're, you're trying to understand. Yeah. And it's, it's always difficult when we're using subjective things that is our senses yeah. to to try and work on stuff. You know, I uh, I spent some time in a uh, spiritual initiatory group, uh, Western mystery group called the Orem Solace. And one of the things that fascinated about me about that group, um, you know, wh- whether whether it is you know continues to be true or not, I, I don't know. Sort of in more recent times. But that there was a point in time in their development, because they go back to sort of the start of the Golden Dawn time too, but they have a sort of completely different lineage. And um, they would decide that they wanted to explore something like Enochian work or other things. And so they would set work out to all the people who were involved in the group, gather reports and then the the people in the center would uh, go through all those reports and look at what was common between them all and look what, look at what was sort of maybe personal outliers or subjective experience. Yeah. And so the system was built on this sort of notion of uh, testing and, yeah. you know, sort of to some extent sort of blind testing and collating because, you know, our brains just aren't that good at statistical analysis in the, in the personal subjective level. Right. You know, we just, we're not built that way. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, you know, that to me is the art component of divination, of magic, of alchemy, of any any of those things, you know, that there is there's an artistry that's involved, a deep artistry and, you know, composing having a really good sense of what's going where, of what makes sense right now, of what is speaking to you right now and what you're attuned to right now, but also having a sense of, of what the whole is going to look like. And then understanding that when it looks different, that's how it's supposed to work. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, it's, it's fascinating to, to watch people sort of work and explore stuff. And I find, you know, the, the, the more open people are to sort of trial and figuring things out, you know, the better it goes to, you know, I mean, uh, I think Ken Wilber was talking about in his uh, his book, A Brief History of Everything, which is a great read if people are interested in that. Um, he's, a, he's a Buddhist and a ecologist and like a social science and philosopher. And he, he basically is like, well, here's the thing. It's easy to discount 
stuff that sounds subjective or or unreal. But if people are delineating a practice that will take you to that place, then if you're not going to step in and try the practice, how do you engage in that conversation? You know, how what what, what value does your input have on that? You know, which has always been interesting to me because you know, so many people like, you know, I really like science and sciencey things and I, I listen to um a podcast called You Are Not So Smart. <laughs> And uh, it's it's on um, you know sort of neuroscience, cognitive biases, logical fallacies, and, and some of those ideas. And the content is great, except for when there are those moments where like the the hardline skeptic atheist element of the the host or the guest creep out. You know, at which point I'm always like, and eh, no, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit so I don't have to listen to this like blah blah blah. Yeah this is just wrong as opposed to, huh, why, what do people get from that and why do they get it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I th- I think it's one of the things I really love about my community is that I feel like there are so many people that I have met through the work that I do that are, they're very discerning and they're very thoughtful and they're also genuinely really open to trying new things and to learning new things. And I love that about our, about, you know, our people and my people. I feel like they're so willing, they are so filled with that spirit of adventure and of curiosity. And I really dig that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Well, one of the things that I've been really enjoying that you do is these, um, you know, I don't know what you're calling them because I just see them on sort of Facebook and Instagram and stuff, but like the, the daily blessings, That's right. you know? That's right. Is that, the, is that the right term for them? Totally the right term. Yeah. You know, and, and for people who haven't checked these out yet, they are, um, you know, a blessing directed towards some part of the, per, you know, a person, the world, you know, whatever. And, uh, and then like a, a little illustration that goes with it, you know? And uh, I love the, the that they, to my mind, they point towards wholeness, you know, because there's this sort of, especially if you see them over and over again, they're always inevitably, you know, every so often one comes up and I'm like, I don't want to bless that piece of myself. That piece of myself sucks. I hate that piece of myself, you know, I mean, maybe not quite that strong, right? But like, you know, there's just like, ah, that's, that's not good, but. Oh man, but that still is me, isn't it? Man, I guess I, I guess I guess I ought to direct something at that. Yeah, yes, the daily blessings are super super popular. So they're um illustrated by Cassandra Oswald who does all of the artwork for my site. And they are, you know, I was sitting um November of 2014. I was just sitting in my living room. I probably having a cup of coffee. And I thought, you know, I want to write a blessing for every day of the year. And so I sat down and two hours later, I had a list of blessings. And I had, I took them to Cassie and I said, you know, let's make a template or something where we, you know, I can put these in and share them. And she looked at the blessings and read them all and was like, I want to create a piece of original art for each one of them. I I think Mm. that that's what it needs to be. So it was a very organic, collaborative project. And yeah, you know, I think what I say on the Daily Blessing page is, you know, the world needs more in the way of blessing and less in the way of advice. And I really think that where I was coming from was 
just a sense of there's so much advice and like do this and do that and be this way and be that way. And that, and, and a lot of it's really useful, right? It's not even that it's not useful, but I thought what would happen if we just shifted a little bit, right? If we just got a little hanged man with the situation and, and we said, instead of do this, don't do this, be this way, don't be that way. What if we just blessed whatever Mm. is in need of blessing, including hard stuff, right? So one of the daily blessings is, uh, you know, blessed be the ones who tell us no. That's a really, for a lot of people, it's like, screw that. I don't want to bless people who tell me no, like they're jerks. Oh, yes, all the time. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, Another one is, you know, Blessed be the roads not taken, right? Blessed be the the paths that we've chosen not to travel. Um, And, and, um, you know, another one that I just did was blessed be the times that we fall down and get back up again. And so, you know, there's, there are some hard, there are some things in there that like exactly as you said, you sort of, you read it and you're like, wait a minute, do I want to bless that? I don't know if I want to bless that. And, and the wholeness is, is really integral, you know? In a lot of my work, I point out that the words whole, holy, and healing all have the same root. They all come from the same Latin root. So I think of those words as sisters. They're all related. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, if we're interested in healing any part of ourselves, if we're interested in healing any part of our community, any part of our world, then we have to be interested in wholeness. And if we're interested in wholeness, then we're interested in holiness, not in a rigid, doctrinal, religious sense, but in a what is most dear and most beloved and most sacred? And how do I respond from that place within myself? And how do I live my life in a way that inspires that more in the things around me? So that instead of saying, do this and be this way or don't be this way, how can I live as an example of what I want to see? more of yeah definitely yeah and i think that the value of this is one of the values of ritual in general is our thinky brain is a wonderful thing totally but it is just one piece and especially especially you know in western culture it gets prioritized so far above everything else and, you know, so like where we can step towards art and poetry and ritual and other things is where we can sort of create that more sense of the interconnection of everything within us. That's right. And from that place, that's where we have our power, right? That's where, for me, that's where the magic happens. You know, I mean, in my in my tarot manifesto, I, I say something along the lines of, uh, you know, you show up and bring everything all the parts of you to the table and I'll show up and bring my whole self and together we'll make some magic happen, you know, I like that. because that's, that's how it works. Right. And that, that capacity to be fully present, you know, and, and to get to a place where you're capable of being um, your whole self, you know, and that doesn't mean showing everybody yourself necessarily. Right. No, that's just, no, that's right. you know, to be the wholeness of yourself and then engage from there. It's so profound. And yet, I think that, you know, I know for me and, and I certainly some of the stuff that I see around, 
you know, me in the past anyway, it was just notion of like trying to use the brain to get there. And it just never, it never works. It's not possible. Yeah. I think that, I think that that's right. I think that, you know, anytime we try to split ourselves up so that we're only working with our mind or we're only working with our heart or we're only working with our body, we're missing it because all of these things are together. They're, they all work together. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, one of the things I love about folk magic and the traditions that I grew up in is it's such a part of daily life. So, you know, it's very, it's very visceral, right? You live it. And my mom, who was my first teacher, says, you know, you don't do magic. You live magic. You know, you uh-huh. live it magically. And that doesn't mean everything is perfect or everything always works out or you always have an answer or there are no challenges. It's totally not that. It's about, you know, you're aware and you're attentive. And when something happens that you need to pay attention to, when you're receiving information or there needs to be a divination on an issue or there, there should be a way to, cer- to create ceremony around something, you have the resources at hand to do that. And usually in a really simple manner, right, that's not uh, crazy elaborate. Sometimes it gets elaborate can but but you know there's a there's just a closeness to the way that we live life day in and day out that I really love and so when I look at a practice any practice you know that's always what I'm looking at how are we living this how do you live it yeah totally and where you have a practice where it's engaged like people often ask me you know especially because I have the store right they're like well what do you what do you do for this you know you have this problem if this problem came to you what do you do and i'm like i go over to the closet where my orishas live i open it i address the one who is most associated with that area i i tell them what's going on and i ask them to sort it out end of conversation usually you know i mean it depends on what right. it is there's sometimes more elaborate things but but generally speaking it is incredibly straightforward to the point but that comes out of i mean aside from the obvious you know initiatory structure um it comes out of a regular practice which is i'm showing up all the time every day talking to them engaging them being with them and keeping them in my living living consciousness as i walk around my life and so on and you know i mean that can happen in a in a personal practice with an altar or with ancestors or with anything. It doesn't have to be initiatory, but it does require that practice and that continuity because, you know, the, when you just show up once a year, cause you're like, Oh my God, this happened. Please save me. You know, not to say that they won't, you know, whoever, whoever they are for you. Right. But, um, but it's harder. It's more, it's more room to bridge, you know? It's, it's not unlike a friend that, you know, calls you up and be like, so I know I haven't talked to you in a year, but I'm moving next week. You want to come help me move? You know, it's like, <laughs> eh, maybe not so much, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I I really feel like that speaks to the, the kind of inner alchemy that happens when you have a practice that you commit to. Um, and what I mean by that is that, you know, you have a relationship with your Orishas that you've developed and you've honored consistently, but you also have an inner way of holding tough situations that has come about in part because of that relationship with your Orishas, right? Absolutely. And yeah. so that's, you know, that's what we're, I feel like in, in many cases, that's really, that's the most potent thing that we bring or that we, we 
find in ritual and in ceremony is like the inner transformations that happen. So I can look at a really crappy situation objectively, see it for what it is, and then say, whereas five years ago or one year ago, I would have only seen one avenue of possibility. Now I see several. And I at least have some choices that I and yeah. I can I can make a better choice. Definitely, yeah, and I, and I think that that notion of uh, you know of sort of the way in which practice changes us, you know, in in one of the Golden Dawn papers, and and I'm totally going to butcher this, so please okay. Uh, okay. please please forgive me, <laughs> you know, if you are if you're you know, but they're, they're talking about the three stages of development, and you know, the, the first stage is. Uh, you know, they basically, you just pray for what you need. You know, everybody starts off, they just, you know, I need a new job. I need a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I need, you know, some money. I need whatever. And then uh, the the next stage is sort of to, to pray to be good enough. And then the final stage is, is to pray to be worthy, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that represents that sort of, you know, moving from, you know, sort of external thing to internal process can i can i be good enough can i learn can i change and then finally to like can i be in this state where i can can be connected and stay connected that's right that's yeah right. and you can see that like in ritual you know like okay i'm i'm gonna get a lodestone right and i'm gonna work with a lodestone to draw something to me like a better job as opposed to i'm gonna work with a lodestone to draw the qualities to me that are going to help me get the right job. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's, it's a very small shift, but I, but I think it's an important shift that, and, and I think that they can coexist together, right? Like we can be very practically minded with our intentions, but also be aware of the inner realm that needs to be addressed and brought into the conversation. Oh yeah. My, my prayers include, you know, on some basis, what every self-employed prayers, person's prayers include, which is, hey, guys, so it's kind of getting to the end of the month. It's been a little on the slow side. How about we uh, how about we make sure rent gets covered? Yeah. How about that? You know, I mean, everybody, everybody who, who, you know, I mean, we need money, right? We need practical things That's too, true. right? It's not, it's not that those things are bad. No, no. At all, you know? Absolutely not. No, I think, I mean, this gets to the whole the the issue very much like you were talking about the mind body disconnect you know there's also sort of a a, a spirit material disconnect that sometimes can happen where it's like well this is all spiritual and i'm super spiritual and it's all very spiritual and wonderful and and then you you know remember oh i have to eat or <laughs> Oh boy, I sure want that new uh, new iPad, right? Yes. Yeah, whatever. Exactly. For me, it's always like, oh, the new anthropology catalog came out. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, there's a there that that's really important. I think a lot of when I teach my students, a lot of what I talk about is the way in which our physical body is both a sacred tool and also our ally. Our, our sacred arts ally and that, you know, when the body is tired, when the body is hungry, when our body is feeling just a little bit not vital, we need to pay attention because yeah. the, the material is giving us 
a, a very spiritual, right, with air quotes, lesson, piece of information that we want to hone in on. Yeah. I mean, it, and again, it's one of those things that there doesn't need to be a distinction, right? I mean, there are distinctions, you know, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I studied Kabbalah and Western ceremonial stuff for, you know, decades. And I can, you know, I can talk about the distinctions and so on, but those distinctions aren't where the magic happens as such. Yeah. And, and they so often are kind of a, a distraction, you know, was that, was that this or was that something else? You know, was it, what, what is this in me? And, you know, it's like, well, you know what, there's an issue there. How about I pay attention to that spot and see what's going on? And then I can unlock it and sort it out. And if, if I need to understand it in the context of a system, I can do so later, but systematizing and, and performing the magic or performing the internal alchemy don't go so well together. That's right. I, I think it's not accidental that for many different traditions throughout time, the crossroads has been such a potent place of working and of symbolism. And one of the reasons for that is because it's where things come together that we're really interested, uh -huh. you know? And, and so I think that that it speaks very much. And the other one to my mind is the braid, right? How these things are braided together and what we're really working with is the whole of the braid, not the individual threads. Sometimes we want to be aware of that, but really what we're interested in are the places of unity. Yeah. And, and where, the, where we're at the crossroads, is, it's also the place of choice, right? That's right. It's where we have options, you know, we can bring everything together and then we can, you know, take it apart or set it in a direction or not, or continue in the road that we're on, you know, which, which is always interesting. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. So it's, it's, you know, there's a way that standing from that place of wholeness, like we were talking about earlier, is actually the thing that gives you the most choice, which is kind of an interesting paradox, you know? It's where the most possibilities come out is from a place that is integral and whole. Yeah. Well, and that is that is the nature of things, right? I mean, as, as you... I don't know what the right word for this is because uh, a lot of the words sound pretentious and I don't mean them to sound pretentious, but as, as people grow in their spiritual awareness, as people grow into the fullness of themselves, um, accepting paradox, accepting ambiguity, accepting and contradiction, you know, these become an important part of the journey, right? They become, they become something that, that can't be met in a, in a way that's driven by conflict either internally or externally, the, 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 the alchemy is in finding the, the way in which those things are um, accepted as they are, you know, the paradoxes are accepted as the, the sum total of what one can say about it. Well, it is a paradox, you know, um, and sort of moving into that place where, you know, we start to start to sound like, you know, metaphysical wackos if we try and talk too much about it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, the the way that I hold those spaces when I'm doing work with a group or I'm teaching is I always go back to something I was taught as a very young child doing any kind of spirit work or working with dreams, which is what is useful in this for you 
right here and right now? What do you need to take from this or learn from this or respond to in this right here and right now? So, you know, because it is so easy to go down those rabbit trails of, of, you know, what does this mean? And my whole paradigm is shifting and I don't know, like, what is the cosmos really made of? And, and to lose sight of the fact that there is specific medicine right here and right now for you. What is it and how, where is it in your life? How are you bringing it into your life? Yeah. And I think that for me, this is the... This is the duality that that I am sort of most seeking to anchor in my in my awareness right now, which is with a specific person and with a specific question at a particular point in time, I can tell them what the card means or what the circumstance is or what the tool is that is most likely spiritually to shift their life. But I can't speak in specifics outside of that context and outside of that context, everything starts to become really broad and philosophical very quickly because I don't think the tower means anything, you know, in the tarot outside of a, outside of a set coordinates and time and space, you know, I don't think that, you know, I mean like a lodestone, you know, It, it is a thing. It is a rock on a shelf until it is, until it exists in a specific time and place. And all of those things have some level of nature, but whether, whether it's able, whether we're able to say that it's the right thing or a functional thing for somebody or whether we're able to interpret it in a broad sense, you know, it, it doesn't make sense to me to speak outside of specifics. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. I, my way of, of working with that again, and I'm a Libra, so it's, it's very appropriate is, you know, when I'm, for instance, if I'm reading for someone and we get the tower card, I'll say, you know, this is, this is the traditional understanding of this card. Okay. Now you are going to tell me how, how it works for you, what it brings up for you, what it, what it resonates for you. You get to decide if you want to be in relationship with it or not right? It's here. It's, it's here. Just like the planet Pluto is here and the sun is here and the pecan tree in my driveway are here. And so you get to decide, do you want to be in relationship with this thing or not? And to me, choosing to be in relationship is what breathes life into that dynamic of me and whatever it is that I'm relating to. So I, I do think that everything has a virtue. I think that there. I think that there are essentials that all things carry, including trees and rocks, right, and bunny mm-hmm. rabbits and wolves and what have you. But I think that it's the coming into relationship with a very specific and particular thing in a moment that creates what I would call like the mojo, the life force, the vitality. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, it's not that you can't say stuff about them, and it's not that they don't have uh, an essence, as you say, or that they don't exist, um, you know, outside of outside of our perception, right? Because obviously, you know, I, I I don't believe the world disappears when I close my eyes. Right. You know, I'm not I'm not in that school of thought. Um, but you know, it goes to it goes to what I see a lot of people 
sort of looking for or, you know, again, because I have a store, right? People come in and be like, what, tell me, what, what does the three of swords mean? I'm like, I don't know. In what way? Yeah. In what question? Yeah. In what, on what day? In whose life? You know? Because, you know, there's sort of a, uh, in, in, you know, especially because I've sort of moved more and more into the sort of uh, Marseille school of, of reading, you yeah. know, and that sort of, you know, non, non Golden Dawn, non Rider weight lineage stuff. Yep. You know, the, the emphasis is not on specific meaning, although there are things that you could certainly talk about about it. Um, the, the emphasis is on, you know, contextual meaning and clarifying the context through the question and other approaches to get to the meaning for that person. Um, as opposed to the the idea that you know we could we could arrive at a place where we could describe the card completely, you know. And I mean, you know, that said, uh, myself and James Wells have a podcast that we do uh, where we're going through each of the Trumps, and we spend about an hour and a half talking about one Trump. You know, there's a lot that you can say about a card for sure, yeah. um, but the meaning is only ever one slice in application for me, as opposed to. Um, you know, the sort of the, the essence or the archetype of it, which is inherently unmanifest and, and abstracted. Yeah. I think, I think a really good way to, to open that up is to ask questions like exactly like you did, you know, tell me what the three of swords means, or I bet another one that you get a lot is what's the best candle for X situation, right? Tell me, tell me. And, and so, you know, then that's, that's when the, as I think of it, the diagnostic aspect of our art comes into play where, you know, we have to ask questions. And, and I mean, you know, one of my, one of the, the really obvious ones with the tarot is what deck are you using? Because right, like in some decks, the three of swords don't even have swords on the card. So, yeah. you know, and then in many decks, right, it's a heart that's pierced. And so what does that mean to you? Um, you know, if you're talking to somebody who grew up as a Catholic, it has a very different meaning than somebody who was trained in the Golden Dawn way of interpretation. So mm-hmm. that's that's a, you know, the, the questioning, I think, is a really useful aspect. I did an astrology page for 2016. And I talked about the transits and the phases and everything. But what I did at the end of each section was I asked a question, you know, the new moon in Aquarius, you know, here's the question to think about. And people responded, they just went crazy over it. And it really, it's not, I mean, there's a bunch of places where you can find out astrologically what's happening this year. It was really the questions that spoke to people. And I think that, you know, again, like that's what's so beautiful about our community and and the work that we do, the work that that I do and the work that you do, that our people are really, they like to ask questions. They like to think and feel into what is this for me and how Mm -hmm. can this be more real, more deep, more vital, more creative? You know, how, how can I bring more into it or take something out of it in some cases so that we have a relationship that's really working? It's really going somewhere. Yeah, and I, th- I think that that is that's part of the process too, right? You know, we 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 need to get to a place where we understand the world, the universe, the movement of spirit as relational and as changing, and as one that you know, uh, being in relationship to 
is really the key, right? It's, you know, for the person who comes in and says, you know, I've got a ghost in my house. What's the best candle for that? You know, yeah. well, that's, that's a very particular thing. And, you know, that we can, we can answer that. But for the person who is looking to um, integrate spirit into their life or to, um, you know, manifest sort of the, the, the fullness of themselves or, you know, their, their destiny or whatever sort of bigger at more epic and spanning notion we were looking for. Um, that is always a question of being in relationship to it and never one of, um, achieving the end. Right. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't, I've never met anybody who has achieved the end of spiritual work. No, <laughs> because, because it's never ending and because life, like everything is changing and even if we're not changing, the world is changing. So it's it never ends in that sense. Yeah, no, I I, th- I think that's exactly right. I mean, you know, there are in in ritual or in ceremony contexts, you know, there are identifiable things that we're trying to achieve, right? Sure. Maybe the thing is like something very subjective, like a state of inner calm, or maybe the thing is very you know, objective, like $20,000 in the bank account. Right. But and uh-huh. we can say like, okay, was that successful or was that not successful? And we have various metrics and ways of deciding yes or no, but you know, for the, for seeking, you know, when, as, as the people that I work for, I think of them and myself as a seeker and, you know, that's progressive. Like that is ongoing. That's, that's, that's not, that's not something that is going to come to an end. And, you know, I mean, there's a, there are a lot of really interesting writings and thoughts about this, you know, about the fact that we have a kind of divine discontent and that that's part of what makes us tick and keeps us curious and keeps us engaged and, I think that I think there's something really beautiful about that, even though it can be at times a source of frustration and a source of anxiety. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's always, you know, I mean, we're as we're recording this, um, I'm running a course on tarot and psychology, and Mary Greer just did a, a great thing on Jung's world model. Right. There's always more in the unconscious. We never access it all. Right. 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 And if we're if we're going to talk astrology. There are always transits and those transits yeah. <laughs> will will inevitably bring about squares and oppositions and whatever else. That's right. And those things will will keep us moving because because nothing is static, right? And the the staticness, you know the staticness is the end, right? <laughs> that's that's when it gets to stop. Yeah. And maybe not even then. Not in any not in any sense that we conceive of it anyway. Well it's interesting. I was reading I work a lot with fairy tales and with myth. And I, uh, I was reading an Iroquois story that has a lot of parallels in other Native American First Nation people's myth. And uh, it's the story of a rabbit. It's a creation story, right? So it's a story uh-huh. of a rabbit. Rabbit is wandering through his meadow. And he comes upon a blood clot, a little bag of blood. And he's like, huh, this is interesting. So he starts to kick it like a soccer ball, just kicks it across the meadow everywhere. And the blood clot starts to spin in a circular way. And it starts to heat up and it's spinning and it's heating up. And rabbit is kicking it, kicking it, kicking it. And then it turns into a person. And 
it was really interesting to me to read that. And then, of course, I told you I have a background in classics. And I thought about Aristotle, who makes the same claim, right? Philosophically says motion, you know, circular motion specifically. This is where life happens. This is the beginning of life. and, And this is what keeps life happening is this very specific motion. And so I think that what you said is so true and you see it reflected in so many different ways. This understanding that, you know, that questioning, that curiosity, that rhythmic beating of the heart, dancing of the blood cells, that's life. Yeah. It's the, you know, as, as Zoroaster put it, it's the spiral nature of the universe. And, you know, it's the, it's the spiral motion that keeps the, the forces of expansion and contraction in relationship to each other so that neither one overcomes it and, you know, everything spreads out to nothing or collapses inward, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, now that we've, uh, now that we've described the entire universe. <laughs> <laughs> a little cosmology, you know, just a little yeah. for, for your Wednesday morning. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so we should wrap it up though, I guess. I mean, I could talk, chat with you all day cause this is so fun, but, uh, remind people where to find you. So you can you know? find me at briannasaucy.com. Perfect. And I'll put a link in the show notes on the website. And, uh, as always, you can find it in iTunes and Stitcher and all those other groovy places. Thank you so much for making some time for this today, Brie. Oh, uh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. So thank you all for listening. I always appreciate it. And uh, please take a moment and let me know what you thought. Uh, Email me. Go on iTunes and give us a review. Um, Share this with people who you think might dig it. Because the more the merrier. And also I want to announce here for the first time that uh, Bree, uh, along with myself, and Teresa Reed, Joanna Powell Colbert, and Carrie Paris are going to be running a course starting in the beginning of May on building a uh, tarot or spiritual business. And we're going to uh, share with everybody in that course all of the amazing tools that we use in order to um, achieve the things that we've achieved. So if you are thinking of stepping into this arena, or if you're already here and you'd like to grow and build your business, totally consider checking it out. The details will be out on Friday the 4th. Thanks again for listening.